This is Jesus Politics by Tony Franklin. Jesus Politics is a podcast that's devoted to looking at the teachings and values of Jesus Christ and applying them to our contemporary context today, especially in the realms of politics, community development, public relations, and leadership. Welcome to Jesus Politics. This is Tony Franklin, and I have a special guest uh, with me today, Dr. John Chowning from Campbellsville University, uh, retired and still working there part-time a little bit. Um, John, maybe just to start off, would, would you uh, share just a little bit maybe about what you do and, uh, and your connection uh, with politics today? Well, I uh, thanks, Tony, for having me, first of all, and uh, appreciate uh, your work and, and having this podcast and on the subject, because one of my great interests in life and avocations is, is the intersection of our faith and, and our public uh, uh, engagement and, and how faith and politics intersect and what is an appropriate point of intersection of the two. And so I commend you for tackling that uh, uh, major issue. Uh, I've been involved with Campbellsville University in, in some senior leadership for about 30 years. Served on the board of trustees, served as chair, and then was a VP uh, and executive assistant to president for nearly 20 years and still served part-time as executive assistant uh, to uh, President Carter. And uh, one of my areas of emphasis remains government relations and, and uh, being kind of the chief government relations. Uh, officer for Campbellsville University in the public policy arena at the local, federal, state, and federal uh, arenas. Not not in a sense of partisan politics, but just in in the context of as a, a nonprofit faith-based institution. How does public policy intersect what we do and impact what we do as a Christian university, and consequently, uh, how do we properly impact that? process uh, in terms of our interest in, in what's best for our students. Uh, and then, of course, I'm a pastor in the community, have been at Saloma Baptist Church for 25 years, and have been active in politics uh, at the local, state, and federal level. Worked for a U.S. congressman uh, for about three years, have been uh, on uh, several state boards uh, and commissions, uh, have worked in local government and uh, regional government uh, in, in staff positions uh, for several years as well. So kind of a, a, a wide range of activity and have known federal, state, and local officials as friends and, and, and have advised some and, and uh, have uh, worked with some and even opposed some in political campaigns, uh, but hopefully come away from all that as friends with those, even when we weren't on the same side. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. And I, I know I've, I've sort of followed a little bit in your footsteps with the ministerial association yes. and the secretary and uh, have greatly appreciated your counsel uh, uh, to me in that position. Well, I think you and I have uh, paid our dues as secretary. I think between <laughs> us, we have probably uh, served uh, almost uh, two or two and a half decades between the two offices. So yes. uh, thank you for following me and uh, doing the great job. Oh, I appreciate that. 
Well, uh, when I put the, the Jesus Politics book together, um, one of the, the first things that came across was this value of grace that we talk a lot about mm-hmm. in the church. Right. Um, we don't talk a lot about, that I hear at least, uh, in government. Um, and, and sometimes there, there seems to be a contrast that the church gives grace and the government gives justice. And uh, But when, you, as you were saying, the intersection between faith mm-hmm. and politics, and particularly when we have uh, candidates that are running and promoting their faith as um, Christian leadership, as part of why um, they want us to, to vote for them, um, that, that question of where do we see grace uh, in politics, whether it's in their own lives or just kind of across the board, mm-hmm. uh, I've, th- that's been difficult for me to spot. Um, you've had a little more experience in this. Well, unfortunately, I, I would have to agree. I don't think we see enough grace in, in the political arena, uh, both in terms of the campaigning or even in the exercise of uh, public policy and power once uh, we our elected officials get in office. Now, let me add one parenthetical comment, and that is I, I defend our political leaders more than most people do. I'm not defending corruption or evil or, or, or anything of that sort, but... Most public officials are decent people, and and to some extent they reflect our values, uh, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes uh, when we see something in them, I think we're seeing ourselves and our own values. And generally, most public officials do reflect the values of their voters. In my opinion, I know there that runs contrary to popular opinion, but I know for a fact, having been there, as we used to say in congressional. Uh, Offices when the when the uh, s- the phone calls are made and and now emails come in at a certain volume that they do listen and and you can turn the opinion uh, when when people are involved and are engaged. Back to your question, uh, I, I think that that uh, part of the issue and part of the problem, Tony, is that we uh, we have uh, put our politics and our, our faith in two separate compartments. Mm-hmm. We, we've compartmentalized our politics and our faith. And, and, and the, even in the context of the church, we go to church on Sunday morning or whenever it is we go to worship, and that's it. We go out the door, and whether it's the workplace or the public arena, uh, we don't think our, our politics or, our, I'm sorry, our faith should enter into it or influence the exercise thereof. Uh, that's a mistake. At the same time, I think others have uh, think that they can go out sort of like the Pharisees and carry their politics into the public arena and implement it and depend upon the public arena to uh, carry out the kingdom of God or carry out the Christian mandate. And I think in America, there's a fundamental commitment to uh, the separation. And, and we could get off onto a full debate there. Uh, and, and a lot of it, and many people would not discuss it with much grace. Mm-hmm. But, but under our system, that First Amendment is fundamental. And, and if we lose that First Amendment, and to me there is grace in the First Amendment because it basically speaks two points about the practice of our faith. And one is that Congress will not make any laws mandating, and I'm paraphrasing here, that mandate our faith or mandate the practice of religion. Mm-hmm. I don't want uh, Congress mandating a Baptist 
religion or a Methodist religion or a Jewish religion or a Muslim religion. Mm-hmm. The second part of that amendment is the, the, that, that Congress shall not interfere with my right or your right to exercise my faith freely. And so I think we've, we've taken, we, we've gone from one extreme to the other where the state was, you know, with, with prayer in school, maybe forcing kids to pray. Well, you know, you, I have told my own congregation, uh, their children can pray in school. There's no one going to, if, if, if any kid in our local schools are denied the right to pray, let me know, let you know, mm-hmm. and we will get that straightened out. Our children can pray in school, mm-hmm. they, but they can't be mandated to pray in school, nor should they be. Now, I know I get feedback <laughs> in saying that, particularly as a Baptist. But uh, so I think, I think because we separated and compartmentalized our faith in our public, our work or our practice and, and our politics, that therefore we've separated. And, and whether we're liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, this grace thing is just kind of put over here to the side and it, it's just not acceptable. Uh, to and then you add on the elements of technology and thirty-second sound bites and limited attention spans, and we, you know, candidates uh, running for office have to get people's attention, and there's not much grace in negative campaigning. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that people react to that. And going into 2019 with the governor's race here in Kentucky, and in 2020, a presidential race, uh, I'd like to see some grace. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I read an article last week, that, and it wasn't the first time this, this comment had crossed my desk, but the question the writer in the Wall Street Journal asked, are we headed toward a civil war in 10 years? I think that's overstated. But it does catch your attention. And we can't deny the negativity, the harshness, even the hatred and the vitriol. And just the fact that it's, you know, the Wall Street Journal editorial, this was an editorial, and that, that's not known for it. That, that's a conservative, uh, not right wing, but a moderately conservative publication. Mm-hmm. The very fact that that question is being asked should concern us. And so we, we need, as people of Jesus, I particularly, I think, uh, we must be people of grace. We have, we have the right to speak out and should speak out on issues, whether we're liberal or conservative. Mm-hmm. We have every right. No one should deny us that right. We have the right and the responsibility. But as people of Jesus, we have the responsibility of doing it with grace and love and not to attack our opponents unduly. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference in, in, in stating something uh, with, with, with being to the point and being precise, but we can do it with grace, being clear, and, 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 but doing it with grace. And so I, I think uh, definitely we need more grace in politics. You know, people would say, well, that's wimpy. Jesus was, uh, you, you know, Jesus cracked the whip. Well, Jesus showed, you know, he did crack the whip a couple of times. But most of the time, Jesus went to where the people were, sat down, got to know them, and, and, and was a relational 
uh, person. Mm -hmm. He didn't go uh, just preaching uh, and teaching and telling people where they needed to be until he got to know them and spending time with them. And we as Christians in the 21st century, I mean, we've got, if there's ever been a time when we need grace in relationship building, it's now. So I don't know if I answered your question, but yes, uh, those of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ have a responsibility to step into the public arena and to express our opinions and, and have every right to, to work for improvement. But we don't want, I don't want Congress mandating the Southern Baptist Convention platform. Mm-hmm. That's not their responsibility. Doesn't mean that Southern Baptist Convention, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission can't have some input in Congress. But I'm not looking to uh, President Donald Trump or to a President Barack Obama uh, to implement the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to God, to Jesus Christ and his church to bring that about. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we, we have the, and, 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 I, and, and I must acknowledge, I come from a, a conservative, moderately conservative, it's probably the best description for me, a political perspective and even a relatively conservative theological perspective. But, when, but I have friends of liberal perspective in politics and theology. And that you know, I love them, and and they are great friends and great people and great Christians. So you know, restoration of fellowship and and relationship is essential as Christian people, mm-hmm. especially. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, one of the other uh, aspects of values of Jesus uh, that self control. Um, Contrasted with uh, in his day the, the kind of rabid uh, desire for freedom that came from the zealot group, which really kind of organized more later on after the fact. But, but there was that that uh, demographic that was there um, uh, among his own disciples, even. Um, and in the the Gospel of Mark, it, it shows us just kind of uh, lots of actions at how Jesus starts off his ministry, um, starting off with uh, preaching the good news, preaching the kingdom, battling evil spirits that just sort of confront him right up front, uh, moving on to caring for what, how I would describe caring for the casualties of those evil spirits, uh, disease and injury, people who've been hurt. And only after he's already established himself as a preacher, as a exorcist of sorts, as a healer, uh, then he really starts having those more legal conversations with the Pharisees and the mm-hmm. teachers of the law and scribes. Um, and then it, it's much later that he goes into the temple and, you know, kicks out the money changers and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And um, and so so this is a question, it's kind of two sides, uh, as, as you shared with the, the grace question. Um, where do we see that... Um, setting priorities in in a way that, uh, similar to Jesus, of dealing with the root of the problem first and then trying to get to the changing the law and the legalistic stuff um, in in, in politics and then also in, in the church community as well. I think first of all, we we have to examine our own lives and 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 we 
so often look for top-down solutions, uh, you know, whether it's from City Hall to the neighborhood or from the State House to Campbellsville or from Washington to Campbellsville, to put it in a political sense, mm-hmm. uh, or from the United Methodist Conference to St. Mark United Methodist Church or the SBC Convention to Saloma Baptist Church. Uh I think we we have to. So often we 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 haven't. I don't. I hate to put it in these terms. But we really haven't paid our dues and really haven't studied the issue and haven't studied the problem. In a context, I, I I have a friend, Dr. Lincoln Bingham, who's well known in Baptist life, African American, eighty seven years old, the grandson of a, a slave who knew his grandfather and who saw the, the 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 wounds from the shackles that his grandfather had in Western Kentucky from being a slave, and he said he he reached a point in his life where he could have grown up with uh, hatred of the white man or. Uh, to learn from his grandfather's forgiveness of his own experience. But but he, and I felt a, a call in my own life for racial ministry, reconciliation and justice ministry. And, and I had him speaking years ago at our church and we spent a lot of time in self-reflection and prayer. And what 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 should I be doing with my own life and, and our own church and, and so forth? And he he really emphasized two things. He said, "You need to set an example, uh, just quietly, not not in terms of a headline grabbing, but you and your church need to set an example." And he said, "One way you can do that is by having the courage in in Baptist life." It has been, uh, since the Civil Rights Movement, the white Baptists have invited the black Baptists to come and join and then say, look how many black Baptists we have in our convention. Mm -hmm. But he said, white Baptists never come join our convention and become the minority. He said it would be somewhat eye-opening and uh, would show your good faith. Uh, to come and join our convention. Well, I'm all that over for a while and thought of all the reasons I shouldn't do it and why it would never happen. And But finally uh, spoke to my deacons and was graciously uh, thankful that they said, why not, why shouldn't we? And they, they knew of my calling, something that we were already working toward here locally. And so we joined the, the Zion District Association, the area association of African-American Baptists, and then joined the State General Association of Black Baptists. And, and, and then uh, he said, you need to do something locally in the community. You and the university need to. And so... Uh, we, we talked, and over time, it gave birth with Dr. Carter's support at the university and some other community leaders, including our mayor and county judge executive, to the formulation of Greater Campbellsville United, which is up and going for now in its 18th year, to build positive relations, not just black and white, it's the community at large, economic status, gender, uh, and, and, and to build relations uh, across any barrier that has divided us as a people. And, and, and the point I'm making is, in response to your question as I understand it, is that we, we had to, I had to do that kind of work locally 
and 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 I'm not taking credit for any of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the advice that God gave me through the wisdom of Dr. Bingham and some others was that both in the racial context and the community context, you need to work. You need to work where you are. And, 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 and build from there. <laughs> then you go from there. And, and, and now I'm able to, you know, I, I can pick up the telephone and call national black leaders. I'm not bragging or anything, but mm-hmm. I have access to national, particularly in the Baptist faith. Uh, to to national uh, Baptist convention leadership and so forth that I can get through to most any time on behalf of the university or myself or just ask questions or to bring them to our community and that kind of thing and and I think that's a ministry for me to build bridges to bring people together uh, I don't think I could have done that had I not concentrated first on the community and and listening. And listening, uh, so often we we approach whatever the issue is with all the we, we have all the answers. You know, God has sent me. You know, the the, the traditional colonialism <laughs> of, of American missionaries. You know, God sent me here to save you and your culture. Well, He did send us. You know, our people, uh, missionaries to overseas, but we've learned lessons that we we have to do it in the context of the culture, and I think that's what Jesus was doing. Uh, it was was getting to know people and 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 dealing with those issues that the people needed. I mean, he was again relational in his ministry, and if it was casting out demons or healing uh, those that had been. Um, Ignored or at the gate or at the pool or wherever they were for decades, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know in in Matthew twenty five, what did he say? He said to minister to the least of these, uh, and 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 as you do unto them, so have you done unto me. Mm-hmm. And that's a kind of a that has become a theme really of my own life. And that compels me both in the public domain as well as in the context of the church. Uh, we must proclaim the gospel to the lost and to the dying and to heal people spiritually and, 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 and to, 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 to battle the forces of evil and darkness that are prevalent in the world. We, we could do a whole show on that. We see it right here in Campbellsville. Uh, uh, but but we, we also have, to, in a part of that battling, is ministering to the least of these in the name of Jesus. Not in the name of the Republican Party, not in the name of the Democratic Party, not even in the name of the United Methodist Church or the Southern Baptist Convention or the National Baptist Convention, but in the name of Jesus. And, 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 and again, I support government programs, you know, to get to that point. But if the people of Jesus don't do it, there is no hope. There is no hope. And I, I, I really, really, in terms of political agenda, how this inter, inter... I think one of the real dangers of the 20th century church in general in, in, in America has been that w- the church has depended upon the government to carry out much of its agenda. Mm-hmm. 
we we were so cons- we were so turned off and, and to some extent rightfully so by the social gospel of the early 20th late 18th 19th century and the 20th century it was in some regards devoid of spiritual and kingdom building emphasis uh, and just concentrating on social ministry that we went the other extreme and just concentrated on uh, soul winning mm-hmm. which is number one but you can't be effective in soul winning unless you also attend to uh, the least of these mm-hmm. along the way and and while the gov- I support food programs and poverty programs to combat and, 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 and a safety net on the part of the government and, and, and civil rights legislation and so forth but the church as, as, as uh, Dr. Samuel Talbert, who's a friend of mine and president of the National Baptist Convention of America, said in Ransdale Chapel about a year ago, and you may have been there, if the church can't bring people to black and white and brown people together in the name of Jesus Christ, then there is no hope. There is no hope. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm preaching. <laughs> but I think we have to, we as Christians have to show that self-control and, and that humility and work together back to the question of grace across uh, ideological and theological boundaries and, and understand that we, we can't just abdicate our, our responsibilities to make this a part of the abundant life is not just soul winning. That's, that's number one, fullness of life. But it's also helping the least of these because for us to be effective soul winners, we've got to live the abundant life and we've also got to be the salt of the earth and light of the world and, and let others see in us something that's different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's our most effective witness, I think. If all we do is preach and, and, and thump our Bibles, pardon the phrase, mm-hmm. it's not very effective. So um, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah. But we've got to dig down, do our homework, and relate as Jesus did, just as you said in your question. Yeah. And then we can, then we, part of it is earning, and I, I guess that's what I, I, I really went a long round, a long way around to get to this point. The kind of the thesis of your question is you, to earn the right to challenge the status quo. Mm-hmm. You know, it, not that Jesus had to earn the right, but but he he he. It was God's plan. It was part of the plan, and he was up against uh, the the as you said a, a, a hodge a whole group just multitude of complex actors. Uh, you know, he was against the zealots and the uh, you know. And, most everybody misunderstood who he was yes. and what he was sent for. Yes. And and even amongst his own people, uh, they were looking for a political military king to, to restore uh, the monarchy of King David and um, uh, didn't understand his language that he was sharing for the most part until after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, and, and I think I see in this that there's a, a mix of political and, and also business, I think, in mm. a sense, where we, we I almost want to say just we have lost the small town business 
it's been eaten up by big corporations, oh, yes. by yeah. online this yeah. and that. Absolutely. And, and that young people going into business now, uh, the the track is grow big, grow fast. You don't mm-hmm. set up a little stand and take care of your neighborhood because that's not going to pay your retirement. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so the, there's a sort of uh, sentimentality, especially of, of people that have either grown, I, I grew up in a small town where there just was small businesses, um, uh, but for, for older folks too, who remember a time uh, when when business was just done a little bit differently. Sure. Um, but I, I think it, it wasn't just about sentiment or a particular culture. I think there's this aspect of leadership capacity mm-hmm. in that if you can't do it in small things, you can't do it in big things. Right. And I know I have been uh, invited up to the platform to speak to higher places than I was at capacity to, and it was just words. Mm-hmm. And and there have been other places that I have been invited to where, as you said, we kind of did our homework, mm-hmm. built those relationships, right. and it's a whole different thing. Because you're not just speaking at that right. point, you're actually leading. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. politics and business and just all across the board, yeah. I think that's a, right. a, a piece of that. In there. And, and, and there's nothing more humbling for me than to go somewhere and listen and learn to, to, to an environment that, that's new to me, that, that I'm not a part of. Mm-hmm. And, and that's part of what we're talking about for, yeah. for those of us who, who are believers and who, who are called to some level of leadership in the church, in the community. And, and I like your uh, uh, use of the business model because I think there's a lot of truth. Uh, we're, we're so used to bigness in, in, in all of our organizations, including the church, and, and uh, that bigger is better. And, and there's, you know, we, we could debate that for a long time and we won't go there, but bigger is not necessarily better. Uh, and and in, in that we lose, you know, I think that's a part of our disconnect in politics right now. Yeah. Is, is uh, the disconnect between uh, the local level and the national level in particular. And, and uh, I think you see it on both ends of the political spectrum. Yeah. Well, in, in, in that, uh, and, and there have been across the denominations, um, different churches, big and small, coming out with uh, more emphasis on disciple-making mm-hmm. in these last few years. Yes. Willow Creek put out something right. 10, 15 years back right. that was just kind of, hey, we tried this, and mm-hmm. it didn't work the way we expected to. Um, and there are some ways where uh, we in the United Methodist Church fully admit that some of the Baptists are out-methodizing us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of stuff from John Wesley 300 years right. ago that he did really well that right. we've left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and just in my own ministry, in my own focus, I'm, I'm really trying to hone down, again, with that leadership capacity of uh, it's not just trying to go out and make babies you got to raise them up mm-hmm. and there's a joy and excitement for newborn or for new parents right when that newborn that gift of life is given to them right but very quickly that changes when you've got bills and responsibilities mm-hmm. and disciplining but that's a part of the whole thing right uh, for, for the joy at the end to see that well, child it, raised it, up it's exciting to be able to you know be at the top and and you know the bright lights and all that I've, I've had a little bit of that in my life and, and, and it's a blessing and I appreciate the opportunity and I could have had more of it along the way had I chosen to do that but I chose 
my wife and I chose to stay in Campbellsville. We had we've we've been here forty two years now. Uh, we both grew up in in Kentucky. We're lifelong Kentuckians. Uh, both grew up in an hour or so from in different directions from here, uh, and we we wanted our family to have roots and connections, mm-hmm. uh, multi generational connections. Uh, we were far enough away from our homes to have our own identities and so forth, but close enough to be connected to grandparents and, and so on. And and the point I'm making is that the the bright lights always go out. Okay, so I've I've had friends who 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 went to the bright lights and 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 hopefully most of them knew when the when it was time to come home, but some didn't. And for those who didn't, the bright lights get turned off. At some point, whether it's in the church or in politics or business or whatever it is, and uh, you know, I felt God's leadership to stay here, and and I'm very blessed and very fortunate and very thankful. Uh, but the joy, uh, I read something the other day in a daily devotional that a part of the joy of living and of God speaking is in the ordinary. Mm-hmm. In the ordinary things, we, we we look for those mountaintop experiences, and we're thankful for them. Uh, and we've all had a few of them, but you can count on your hand the true on one hand the true mountaintop experiences, spiritual mountaintop experiences in life. If you stop and think about it, mm-hmm. and if you spend all your time, and and some Christians do this, they spend all their time looking for those mountaintop experiences, and consequently get frustrated and depressed. Mm-hmm. And the joy is in the journey. The joy is in the daily. Li- I think that's what Jesus was talking about in John ten ten, the abundant living, the fullness of life, day by day. And it doesn't mean every day is going to be wonderful. <laughs> some days aren't going to be wonderful. You know, some days are going to be tough. Mm-hmm. But there's there's still a joy there in knowing that uh, the Holy Spirit is in us and with us. And uh, God is still leading and directing and, and seeing us through. Uh, but again, uh, rolling up our sleeves, being involved in something uh, important. And, and, and I think in our culture, and this is connected, but a little broader, people are disconnected. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's at the root of a lot of our problems in this, this country, uh, people are dis, there's discontentment, and I think this is part of the political turmoil. We're not connected. Uh, you know, we're we're mobile. That's that's fine and good, but families are disconnected because of distance. Uh, we're disconnected. Uh, we're you know I, I I did a lecture recently in Louisville. At a a, a, a a meeting of pastors in the National or General Association of Baptists, and we talked about uh, multi generational ministry. I'm getting a little off track here, but uh, you know you, you have four to six generations still in some churches. How do you bridge all of that? And how does how does a boomer like myself speak to a generation Zer? Who's, who's totally obsessed with smartphones and iPads and, and, and technology. And I don't know that this statistic is accurate, but has the attention span of one study I read of seven point seven and a quarter seconds. And the writer parenthetically said, a goldfish has the attention, eight and a quarter seconds, excuse me, let me be fair to Generation Z, and a goldfish has the attention span of nine seconds. So what does that mean? The question I left with this with the pastors was, 
what implications does that have for the church in 2019 and beyond? Mm-hmm. It has a lot. And, I, and it's true for our political. Back to the political domain, that means how do political candidates connect with people in generation in millennials and particularly generation Z and 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 then how how did generation Z in turn participate it's there's good and bad there there's there's potential for real chaos if you stop and think about it mm-hmm. and political turmoil and 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 candidates taking advantage uh, and taking nothing away, Generation Z is not uh, very intelligent and very much more more open to diversity. I mean, they don't see uh, the lack. You know, diversity is is important. Mm-hmm. It's a part of life to them, for the most part. They, they don't see it as diversity. They, ex- exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's it's normal. Yes. It's America. Yep. It's the world. Whereas my generation, your generation, even yes, uh, even the millennials to an extent, the older millennials, uh, but so so it has great implications for uh, the political arena as well as the church when we think about it from a multi generational standpoint. Yes, so so maybe in, in, in bridging the generations. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in regards to that, in the ministry that, that you said you chose to stay here in Campbellsville, one of the most powerful ways I've seen you lead here in Campbellsville is by bringing others alongside you and helping them cast vision. And I've come to you with several different things uh, community-wide and sit down and talk with you and you, you can share with me. This isn't going to quite work this way. You may want to shift it this direction. Uh, and then you, you just sort of step back and encourage, mm-hmm. you know, send those emails out and, and do, and, and that has been huge because you have a voice. You are well known in the community from the campus that, that you could just say, Hey, Campbellsville, let's get together and do this as much as Campbellsville is going to respond. <laughs> um, but, uh, being able to, uh, take people under your wing and make disciples essentially out of that, um, I think has helped to bring more of us together, uh, something that I've tried to pass on a little bit myself, <laughs> um, because uh, in, in particular with, with such a kind of fractured religious community, it's hard to get churches together mm-hmm. it is. to be the body, to be the kingdom. Um, and it, it really takes a certain kind of finesse. Um, you, you know the saying, uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Right. And I've always felt like with churches, it's more like cats and trying yeah. to herd cats. <laughs> and my cats at home, they I don't lead them to water. They come to me, paw at me, meow at me, lead me over to the water, which is full and fresh. And they look at me with this look that says, if it's so good, you drink it first. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like that's how... <laughs> This community work can be both in the church and probably outside right, the church right. too. Yeah, well, you're you're very kind in in your statement of of what whatever role I have, and I'm I'm very gratified by that comment, and and I take it what you know very very graciously and, and appreciative and humble by it. Uh, uh, hopefully, my record is is one that I have no hidden agenda, and I'm not on a power trip. I've, I, I'm not running for anything. 
I love this community. My my roots run deep here. Again, we have chosen. My wife and I have both had opportunities, multiple opportunities, to to go elsewhere professionally, and we we have chosen to stay here and raise our kids and our now our grandkids. So this is home, mm-hmm. and and uh, it it is a community with lots of challenges, like every place in the world. Yes. And I hear people talk about how, you know, some people say, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. And it, you know, it, it's a it's a pretty good place. There's a lot of good people in Campbellsville. And so you can you can criticize Campbellsville up to a point with me. <laughs> and then and then I'm gonna defend it because there are some things about Campbellsville that I would maintain there there is something special here too. Uh, there, there, there is. It, while it's not perfect and, and will not be perfect this side of heaven, none of us are perfect. Reason it's not perfect is because it's inhabited by about twenty five thousand people, mm-hmm. human beings. Need I say any more? And and uh, uh, I call it Baptistville, USA. No offense to the Methodists, we would but, agree with you. But we we Baptist. You know the pro- the problem with Baptist is you got umpteen Baptist churches and umpteen different types of Baptist. And uh, that's both the, the joy and beauty of being Baptist as well as some would say the dysfunction of being Baptist. No, if any Baptist listening, I apologize. Uh, but that's part of the Baptist phenomenon, that local church autonomy. And I just tell them, you know, if you don't like this Baptist church, drive on down the street and there'll be another one a little bit different. But it's a, it's a pretty good place. And, and I'm, I'm thankful to be here and, and, a, and a strong advocate for Campbellsville, Taylor County. We're doing some things that couldn't be done in some other communities similar to ours in this general part of the country mm-hmm. in a progressive sense, a little p, not in a political sense of progressive, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of race relations, an organization like Greater Campbellsville United. Uh, but there has to be one thing you can't, there's no. Ten easy steps to community building. It is an ongoing. I wish there were. I'd write a book. I'd go on television <laughs> and donate the proceeds to Campbellsville University, Saloma, and St. Mark. Uh, but it, it, it's a constant thing because, again, we're dealing with human beings. So, consequently, you know, uh, we human beings are are uh, do a good job. We're ten feet forward and 20 feet backwards some days in terms of of what we do and don't do uh, regardless and and I, I have seen the ministerial association and other organizations in the community do some really wonderful things and the fellowship uh, 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 you know while there's disparate uh, denominations and and so forth there's pretty good relations you know when we called a prayer emphasis in the advent of Charlottesville a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. just within about a 48-hour period, we had 100 people at Miller Park. Mm-hmm. When we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination a couple of, a year or so ago, we had a 200 people at Bramstell Chapel. We'd like to have had 600 people. But anytime you get 100 or 200 people, anytime, anywhere, for anything... Uh, that's not your reg- on a regular schedule, you're doing pretty well mm-hmm. with the busy schedules that people have. Uh, you just We just got to keep on keeping on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, it's as simple as that with me, even yes. in retirement. I don't, I don't, I'm not going anywhere. 
And and I tell I'm not running for office. I have no political ambitions. <laughs> I am of a certain political party. I am relatively conservative. People know that who know me know that. I have some political views that I can express if we get into a conversation. I have some theological views I'll be glad to express. But I will do so respectively, respectfully, and 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 if the other person gets angry, I'm going to back off because I'm not going to engage uh, in in, uh, in in a emotional exchange because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. and and we have we have work to do until we're called home or the Lord returns for his church, just to be specifically theological, and I think we Methodists and Baptists agree on that, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Lord's coming back one of these days. And uh, we could be called home tonight, or the Lord may come home for his whole church tonight. and, and, and others can debate premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. I don't have time for all that, okay? That's fine and good. That's all interesting. I like to read about all that every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But you're not gonna, I'm not going to get bogged down in that kind of stuff uh, because it's not really important for me. Mm-hmm. The important thing is how can we bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to bear upon the world and make disciples to carry out the Great Commission and to do so in a loving and gracious manner. (laughs) And in so doing, unapologetically but graciously impact the political arena. I, I, I apologize. You know, there's people on the left who say Christians shouldn't carry their political... Uh, I mean, their their faith values into the public arena. No, that, that's you know you can't not carry your political values into the public arena. I mean, I mean your your faith values into the public arena because then we're back to you know uh, having Sunday morning values only. Mm-hmm. You, but again, to the right, to the conservative right, I would say. Uh, to my conservative brothers and sisters, it's not. I'm not depending on uh, a, a, a conservative president to carry out a Republican agenda or conservative agenda. Nor should the left depend upon a, a Democratic president, to put it in liberal and conservative terms, uh, to carry out uh, a more liberal agenda. That's not. Uh, are, are to carry out a, a a more social justice agenda. That's not the right word, but you know what I'm... A, a more left Christian yeah. uh, perspective agenda, yeah. per se. We can influence on certain policies, of course. Capital punishment. That's an issue that Christians should be informed on. And, and we can have a healthy debate. And by the way, there are conservatives, there are people on the left and the right... On the death penalty, mm-hmm. and 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 they're, 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 that's the kind of issue that Christians should. And and if you're pro capital punishment, so be it. But let's have a debate on it in a Christian grace grace field, and stick to the facts yeah. and debate it uh, uh, with 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 uh, justice. I mean, with grace 
and, and, and a Christ-like spirit. I fall back on the uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I didn't say I always practiced it, <laughs> but I've learned the Holy Spirit has led me more and more to practice it. You know, we talk about everybody wants the gifts of the Spirit, mm-hmm. but you can't really get to the gifts of the Spirit, to, in my opinion, if you don't practice the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, etc. You can't effectively carry out the uh, pursue or practice the gifts of the Spirit with a, unless you are able to show and display the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, and that's where a lot of Christians in in the political arena fail. Yes. Just, just recently in my scripture reading, and of course the United Methodist Church just went through general conference. Yes. Was heart-wrenching for everybody. I'm sure. The big message has been there are no winners out of this, and there's still implications that will be unrolling for a long time to come uh, from this. But uh, just in my scripture reading through this, uh, I've paid some attention to the commands of Jesus, which are almost always tied specifically in with loving. Mm -hmm. And, and so when I think about command, this is like you do it yeah. or you're not part of us kind of thing. So, exactly. So his commands are almost always tied in with loving. In fact, I would go so far as to say they're always tied in with yeah. loving. You just yeah. may not use that word. Uh, and then you've got the teachings of Jesus. And so Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. he talks about prayer and giving. And so much of the teachings of Jesus that are tied in with humility. Mm-hmm. In this, you know, do this in secret and don't go out and shout out in the neighborhood how great a Christian you are, um, and that uh, that emphasis there. But then there's this this aspect of unity mm. that comes across yes. in the Gospels, and that's not through command, and it's not through teaching; it's through Jesus' prayers. Mm. And in our divided nation, in our divided churches, just divided culture across the board that we have right now, that makes the Wall Street Journal talk mm-hmm. about civil war as a possibility, yeah. and this this sense of unity that Jesus could command us as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yes. He could use this as a teaching and just say, by the way, when you gather as a church, this is the structure you need to have. But he doesn't give us that kind of stuff. There's a lot of freedom in terms of how we gather and how we organize from Jesus himself. Um, But this prayer that comes across for unity, and that's something that's been haunting me these last Mm -hmm. few weeks. Mm -hmm. What do I do with the prayers of Jesus? Mm. And so I just in, in that kind of context, could you speak for just one moment about the values of freedom, which we hold very high, especially here in Campbellsville, uh, where Fourth of July is our big town festival, um, but also that important value that we've been talking about a little bit throughout all through through this of self-control that Jesus had where he was willing to give of himself mm-hmm. uh, instead of just taking the, the easier, comfortable route. Um, maybe even more straightforward, but he was willing to dig down and do his homework, get to know people, and deal with them as people. Well, it, we, we Americans, we, we place great value on freedom, obviously, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, and we, we talk about the... the Declaration of Independence, and you mentioned the Fourth of July, which is, you know, is a great celebration here in Campbellsville. I tell all my candidates uh, that I interview on my uh, talk show, public affairs show, 
talked to one the other day and said, I expect to see you in, in running for attorney general of the state. If, if you win the primary, you better be here on July 4th if you want to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, it, it, it's a great day and uh, rightfully, rightfully uh, celebrated. At the same time, I think we we carry it to to an extreme. I have the right, I have the freedom to do anything I want to do. Um, well, no, you don't. No, I don't. Uh, you know, there are limits to our freedom. And with the exercise of our freedom comes responsibility. You know, that, 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 but, it, but it's a, a true adage. And and we're we're in this we're in this divisiveness in in both in both in the context of the political arena, but but again, you know, you you put it in in the tragic debate within the the United Methodist Church that that put aside the issue at hand it, that was being debated, and and I understand that and have some sentiment about that debate, but but again, the way it the the division that it caused. And 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 let me say, within the Baptist convention, the Baptist, there's been theological battles and political battles in recent years, the last thirty or forty years, that equal that mm-hmm. uh, in terms of various things, and you know the the Calvinist, uh, non-Calvinist battle within Baptist life going on right now, where the convention's almost equally divided. Uh, that that has been uh, very divisive for Baptist. Uh, we we divide up into camps. We divide up into tribes. Even using we're even using terms like tribes now, not mm-hmm. even camps. Which camps, you know, kind of a political term. Tribes is more political and 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 and, and denotes separateness and division, even more so than camps do. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, you know, it, it's it's very troubling. And and we we're we're doing it in our Christian life as well, and whether it's the Methodist Church or the Catholic Church or the Baptist denomination, and on down the road, there's no even in the Christian faith, there's not unanimity of agreement, and not going to be. There wasn't in the early church. We saw in the New Testament church there was division in the Jerusalem church, and and you know Paul and Peter had to uh, even had differences, and uh, Paul and Barnabas had divi- differences, and and they had to work them out and compromise, and the first deacons were appointed to do certain things that weren't being done, and so on. So it's not new. It's how we handle it. it that that is the challenge, and and you know we're we're, we're talking, you know they've burned people at the stake, and and ba- and I say to my Baptist brothers and sisters, we of all the denominations in in America should be most tolerant of some of this because we were the outcast. You know, our forefathers and foremothers were being uh, imprisoned in Virginia over the ordination issue because our forefathers didn't follow the Church of England or the Anglican Church, the the state church, Mm -hmm. ordination requirements. So we have to be uh, zealots for, you know, the freedom of religion. The problem is we're now standing for freedom of religion as long as it's our religion. 
Yeah, we would stand up for Methodists and particularly well, conservative Methodists. The, the Methodists learned from the Baptists. Yeah, in, in well, that's true. They, they exactly. The and, and we saw in our history the same thing where, where we went from being the, the outsiders yeah. in England. Yeah, absolutely. Outsiders, these yeah. people who barely could read, and, mm-hmm. and they were being the ones that sent out to preach uh, to within a, a, just a handful of decades here in the United States, you have to pay for your pew. Mm-hmm. And just went straight back to where exactly. they tried to exactly. branch away from. Yeah, so, so yeah. Uh, you know, there's responsibility, and I think in the context to bring it back to to our faith. Uh, you know, we're we're all called to self control. We're all called to humility. We're all called to love. Uh, you know, Jesus said, uh, they they ask him, Master, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, to paraphrase, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second of these is to love your neighbor as yourself. And he took it even further and said to love your enemies. Uh, He also said to turn the other cheek. Now we can sit and debate in, in the hallowed halls of the church whether or not that's to be taken literal or not. I think it is. And I'm not talking about literally turning the other cheek. But I think it means that we as Christians are to go the extra mile mm-hmm. when we are dealing with other people and, and even in situations that are hostile. Yes, we have a right to defend ourselves and defend our families and, and, and to stand up for what's right. I'm not talking about being wimpy or, you know, being... Uh, Jesus was not a wimp, of course. But, but he, he definitely... Uh, there were limits. We we were he was he went the extra mile over and over and over and over again, and ultimately went the ultimate extra mile by his crucifixion at Calvary. I don't know any <laughs> that's unprecedented in history is to, in terms of going the extra mile for my sin and that of every other human. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think he set the example. So back to the question, uh, we as Christians, we, we, it's back to the obligation we have, whether it's in the, in the context of the church, the community, or if we're in Frankfurt or Washington or in Campbellsville, we have a responsibility to show the love and the grace and, 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 and the restraint of Jesus. There's times when righteous indignation is, is uh, in order. But we need to be, we need to show self-control. And, it, you know, if you, you can, you, you, the number of times in the, in, the, in the Gospels that Jesus, I don't know if righteous indignation is the right term, but for lack of a better term on my part, you know, when he cracked the whip, mm-hmm. it was like a last resort, and it was a prelude to something bigger, and there was more to the point mm-hmm. uh, being made there than just cleansing the temple or the outer area of the temple. Uh, a much bigger point being made, in my opinion. Uh, and so we need, you know, I, we can't just have temper tantrums because we something doesn't go our way mm-hmm. or some decisions made in Frankfurt or Washington we don't like or at City Hall or at the courthouse we don't like. And we need to watch our rhetoric. 
You know, in the 2016 election, just to be blunt, there were candidates on the right and the left that were using terms like revolution. Well, you stop and think, those are incendiary terms. And I think uh, both sides in 2016 contributed to the chaos and to the uh, rhetorical. We 2016, it, it, the, the 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 emotion was already there. The 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 volatility was all there already there. But I think there was an unprecedented level just in one election cycle. Just in one cycle, we went to a new level, mm-hmm. unprecedented level, at least in my lifetime. Some people have asked, is it comparable to the 60s and 70s? Uh, yeah, to some extent. Uh, it, it reminded me, 2016 reminded me somewhat of 68. I mean, I was uh, that was the first presidential election I could vote in, mm-hmm. the height of the civil rights movement, uh, Dr. King's uh, assassination, Bobby Kennedy's assassination, uh, civil rights uh, movement, uh, riots in, in the civil rights movement, uh, the Dem- Democrat National Convention riots in Chicago, uh, and so on. Yeah, there's some similarity. Uh, but I'm concerned. I'm real concerned. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually, an, uh, and I'm, I'm still optimistic, but I'm certainly optimistic eternally. Mm-hmm. But I'm, optim- I'm, I'm concerned about my country, my nation, um, in, in terms of our, uh, you know, our, our, our system and our culture and our stability as a people. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And, and it was the, that 2016 election cycle that inspired me to write the book because I got mm-hmm. mad, mm-hmm. <laughs> sat down in mm-hmm. two and a half weeks, yeah. just put out. And when I got done, I breathed a sigh of relief because I felt like I at least know what I believe and mm-hmm. I don't know about the rest mm-hmm. of the world. Right. But and, and, and I think whether, you, you know, to me, it, it's to, for me, it's irrelevant whether you're liberal or conservative or Democrat or Republican. Yeah. I, I, that's really irrelevant. It, the the question is, as Christians particularly, as Christians, we've got to do better. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not talking about who's in office and who's not in office, but we have to do better than we're doing. We have to sh- lead by example if we are who we say we are and if we are whose we say we are. Yes. And, and you use three words um, that, that are interrelated. Uh, Obligation, which is a dirty word nowadays, <laughs> and uh, self-control, which was the word that I used, and, mm-hmm. and I chose that word mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, specifically because that that was what struck me as being lacking in a lot of the debates in the campaigning mm-hmm. processes mm-hmm. of 2016. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and so specifically for for those leaders, but but I think the better word really is responsibility, mm-hmm. which you've lifted up several times because when you take on responsibility, you give give up some degree of freedom. Yeah. And when you do that, that's called leadership. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when you don't do that and you get crowds following after you and, mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff, it leads to chaos and destruction and, and mess. And what we need, as you just said, is leadership. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal. No. We need people that are willing to, to be responsible. And Jesus gives us an awesome example of that. Whether you're liberal or conservative, mm-hmm. you can look to that example as a, a positive way to um, there, there are, move forward. Uh, uh, I, I made an early point. But as we prepare to close shortly, uh, there are good people on both sides. There are there are some really good people in public office in Campbellsville, in Frankfurt, and in Washington on both sides of the aisle. I can attest to that. People who are godly, people who go to prayer meetings and Bible studies and who are honest and honorable and so on. Sometimes they say things they shouldn't say. Who doesn't? Mm -hmm. I'm a preacher who, I mean, you could write a book on things I've said I shouldn't have said. Okay? Uh, We're all human beings. But but they, they, they practice, they try to practice grace. And, and uh, the problem is they don't get the headlines. And, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, we deal in 30-second sound bites, maybe eight and a quarter second sound bites, uh, if we believe what uh, I, I quoted earlier about the younger generation. Uh, but I am concerned, and, and uh, we all, particularly Christians, must exercise responsibility. Dr. Sharney, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a a joy to be with you. It's been a joy to be working with you. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it, too, and thank you for all that you do. You can read more about Jesus Politics in my book called Jesus Politics, The Four Gospels and Politics by Tony Franklin, sold at Amazon.com or on my blog at RevTonyFranklin.com. Thank you for listening.